Hello and welcome to episode 20 of season three of the Connect 2 podcast. My name is Jeff Cullen. I'm Mark Hughes. Hey Jeff, how are you? Uh, here we are again. Yes, we are. Uh, perhaps where we've never been before. The 20th episode of our third season. This is true. Where no it's, man has gone it's before. It's both similar or, and so different. Maybe it's no one. Should be no one. So, how are you? I'm okay. How are you? Oh, better. Still a bit of a cough, as you may you may unfortunately hear. I will do my best to turn away. But uh, this has been a lingering cold. 13, 10 days now, more, something like that. That yeah. is a long time. There are it's a lot nasty... of people. I've been, I've been fortunate. I've been avoiding it so far but oh you just hear so many like schools was it fort Mackay? they shut down the school because half like half the people half the staff and half the students were absent so at that point they're like what's the you know we might as well just shut the whole thing down so yeah it's uh there's a concoction of nasty things going around covid being one of them but uh but i am feeling better got a great night's sleep it's always nice when you wake up to your alarm as opposed to being awake waiting for it that's always a good sign so yeah you know what's best is waking up without an alarm well that's even better yeah. yeah so um uh so today's coffee courtesy of cape coffee cape out of coffee. cape royal newfoundland oh yeah it's called disnell ramirez with tasting notes of chocolate fudge nuts and dates it's from Honduras. Ooh. It's good. It's strong. Disnell is an interesting name. Disnell, yeah. I kept looking and thinking Disney, but yeah. Um, so this coffee is. We sell this coffee wholesale to restaurants who want a more approachable coffee. It's inoffensive. Oh, that's not a inoffensive. We wanted to show <laughs> people a classic coffee that's not super dark. It's a true medium roast. It's a honey processed coffee, which can add funkiness to the cup. Again, funkiness and inoffensive are both not words that I would use as a as a marketing <laughs> choice. So we develop a bit more that it's That's not at the funny. forefront, but still shows up with some interesting and unique qualities in the cup. So this is honey really? honey processed. Yeah, this is not a good write up. <laughs> it's inoffensive. It uh, does. It's not remarkable, but it kind of shows up. It's like, don't even bother drinking it. We're sorry. <laughs> We're sorry about the whole thing. I mean, it's a the coffee is good. It is good. But I wouldn't mm -hmm. call it inoffensive or like it's just <sighs> really. Yeah, I don't think I've ever had an offensive cup of coffee. Mm. I suppose uh, you have. I have definitely had offensive or uh, kind of like you go like. Uh, you remember what was it? Uh, Corner Gas, where they always talked about the other other uh community nearby and whenever they mention it they spat oh yeah that's right yeah there, i've had coffees that i kind of felt like i needed to spit there you go it, there you made me think of that so there you go uh dad jokes any dad oh jokes. dad joke see you're not ready I'm caught not un unaware like like it's like it's not like we never do this like i know we always do it <laughs> Uh, Too many of the dad jokes are just unacceptable. Unacceptable. That's, What's the difference between a camera and a sock? Uh, a camera and a sock? I don't know, the aperture setting? No, a camera takes four photos and a sock takes five toes. <laughs> <laughs> That's pretty good. And how much does Santa pay to park his sleigh? How much does he pay to park his sleigh? Yeah. Yeah, nothing. Uh, it's on the house. It's there you go. Bad news. My what? obese parrot died today. It's <laughs> sad, but it's a huge weight off my shoulders. Don't uh don't uh, throw false teeth at, at your vehicle. You might denture your car. There you go. <laughs> Oh boy. Why are there pop tarts but mo no mom tarts? Why are there pop tarts but no mom tarts? It's because of the pastryarchy. The pastryarchy. Okay. Yeah, I stopped by a roadside stand today with that they had a side that said uh, lobster tails two dollars. So I paid the guy the guy two bucks, and then he started. Once upon a time, there was a lobster. 
<laughs> it's probably safer than actually buying lobster. <laughs> uh, you know that Albert Einstein was a pretty smart guy, right? I, I've, I've been told. But his brother Frank was a monster. Frankenstein? <laughs> there you go. Say, what is blue and smells like uh, uh, red paint? <laughs> blue paint. Blue paint. Oh, you've heard that before? I have. I, I still think it's funny. Oh, boy. Yeah. Anyway, let's let's carry on. Okay. Let's carry on. So good what news. Are we about today? What are good Real news? Real estate. Oh, good news. Yeah, good news. What did you learn this week? Well, so I just saw that uh, Indonesia is... Uh, committing to reforesting 400,000 acres of uh, palm plantations. So, and uh, lots of developments around the world in unusual places where they're putting in massive solar arrays, you know, uh, saw there's a new uh, tidal technology that's being developed, again, being able to generate power out of just waves. And so as much as we are... Uh, perhaps immersed in a negative place when it comes to environmental things. There's, there's a lot of interesting stuff going on. You have to wonder when the, when the tipping point will hit. So I learned that. I also learned that Grand Theft Auto 6 is coming. Oh. Uh, the trailer released, was it yesterday or the day before? I guess there was a leak. And so they've uh, released the official trailer. Uh, it won't be out till 2025, but people are already super excited. First uh, female uh, protagonist character in GTA. Um, so it looks like it'll be, again, a multi, multi-character multi game, a male and a female, but it'll be like cooperative mode. And so, and then I think three cities. So Liberty City, which is their version of New York. Uh, Vice City, which is their version of Miami. Don't remember where the third city is. Oh, I think it's maybe a new version of San Francisco. So it's going to be a a cross country extravaganza. Oh wow! It's going to be yeah coming out on the PS5 and the Xbox sometime in 2025. So that will be. Well, that's a long ways off. It is a long ways off, and it's been in development. The last one came out is it 2013? So it's almost it's 10 years old. Oh my god! Five. Yeah. Okay. So, uh, but this is going to be. The screen caps, I should not screen caps, but some of the the video released is uh, pretty impressive. Um, again, these massive crowd scenes, you know, is uh, yeah. So it'll be interesting to see what that uh, comes out to pass. So it's been a, a long time. People have been wondering, would it ever come out? Are they doing it? Yep, it's coming. It'll probably sell like. The last one's like a billion dollars. Yeah, I mean... I think it's the most lucrative piece of entertainment uh, media uh, ever, GTA V, right? Mm -hmm. And this is probably going to beat it. So So whatever the film industry, the Disney people, they should be paying attention to what the game industry is doing. Um, Yeah. Uh, You know, I, I have troubles with whenever people are talking about numbers that start with a billion, because those they're just such huge numbers. Oh, it's, it's, it's hard it's to get your head around. Yeah. Uh, a couple of things. Uh, so have you ever seen, there's this guy, his name is um, Gino De Campo. Uh, no. De Campo. And he is, he's a, an Italian chef. Okay. And uh, there's a BBC show called this morning. Yep. And anyway, He's very funny because his language, especially when he first started, probably about 10 years ago. Yeah. Um, he's pretty young and he had some, it was basically a bit unfiltered because of the language barrier. Okay. So he's very Italian. And he does this, this one where he's making this beautiful Italian pasta. And, oh, yeah. And uh, one of the hosts says, you know, if you put a little bit of ham in here, it's like a British uh, uh, carbonara, and he's and he just he's just there's this he does his face and he just stares and he said, 
well, if my grandmother had wheels, she would be a bicycle. <laughs> and just, and this, like, and he just, he loses it. It's just like, <laughs> he just absolutely loses it. And oh, is that right? Just like, he's just, he, he's so upset that his, his, his beautiful pasta dish has been compared to a British, it's a, there's nothing similar to it. It's not, it's a different noodle. It's a different sauce. It's a different everything. So he, he basically was not having it. No. And That's funny. So he's got a bit of a history of. Histrionics? Uh, yeah, he's basically, he's a chef. He's not a. He's an Italian chef. He's an Italian he's chef. No laugh. No laugh. Yeah, that's so, funny. Anyway, I thought. That's uh, kind of funny. Yeah. So anyway, this, this is, is this is the entertainment. The British. The, the British entertainment. Yeah. Um, what I was going to say they're not known for their culinary expertise. <laughs> yeah. And yet there's been, a, you know, several super chefs that have come out of England, although they study in different styles, right? So Gordon Ramsay, of course, is a French cuisine guy. Right. And uh, what about Jamie Oliver? What's his specialty? Um, you know, I don't know, actually. Yeah. He, he does a lot of sort of... He does a lot more like um, uh, fresh, fresh... Yeah. Fresh... Basic uh, stuff, right? A bit more uh, organic. Kind yeah. Of focus. Yeah. Um, so a couple of other things that happened. Um, um, Peter Gabriel has launched a new album. Oh, I hadn't heard this. Called IO. I've listened to a little bit of it and actually quite enjoy it. It's quite, okay. Quite good. He is got to be close to 80. Yeah. You know, at least in his seventies for sure. Yep. Uh, I saw him play with sting there was like sting and peter gabriel played and okay like did back and forth that was a few years ago probably about 10 years ago um what else did i learn i learned i learned that there is a crisis related to avocados a crisis yeah so of a crisis uh, avocado crisis 2023 so probably about 20 years ago okay avocados were prohibited from being um uh imported into the US. Oh, so they interesting. Had, you had to buy California avocado. Okay. I thought you were uh, say they were prohibited from serving in the government no. position after they've been found of uh guilty of supporting an insurrection. No, but uh so you had avocados and the avocados um anyway, a lot so of them come from South America. There was a lot well, there was a lot of um a lot of um I'm always amazed with avocados. You you get them and they're not ripe when you get them but like 2 days later they're perfect. Yes. Like it's just shocking. And then 2 days after that, it's too late. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And so there's a timing thing with avocados. Absolutely. Now, so uh, about 20 years ago, the Mexican government lobbied um, the U.S. to let let Mexican avocados come in. Let our avocados go free. And um, so, and they were permitted, and avocado craze has gone, it's like a superfood. Sure. So it's been, it's gone crazy. So now some, something avocado. in the high 90s, like 96, 98% of all avocados in the U.S. come from Mexico. Interesting. And, uh, but it's caused a problem. Okay. Because there's increasing, ever increasing demand for avocados. And avocados are a bit water intensive. Oh, and yeah. And they're a bit of a cash crop. So people are deforesting like hilltops and stuff like that to plant avocado trees. Interesting. And avocados use about two and a half times the water of. Like a like a a regular deciduous tree. Okay. So so now the stressed irrigation resources for Mexico, although the weather is good, the the irrigation is not as good. Right. And then there's a big um, a big um, a big push to try and get um, Well, and it's an illegal push. There are illegal. It's kind of like it's kind of like the drug dealers. They go and they clear, they burn down part of a mountain and they replant it. Right. And they're not supposed to do that. There's all kinds of rules, but because there's so much corruption in the Mexican government, mm -hmm. the people that are in charge of monitoring the rules, they just won't look or they get paid off. Right. And it's just like so. Nothing is really happening. Interesting. So yeah. 
The other thing I read about in the New York Times is about there's this this type of uh, amphibian that is from Mexico. Okay. It's called, uh, have you ever seen them? The little pink thing. Um, like a, some sort of salamander? Or? It looks a bit like a salamander. The problem is I can't pronounce the name. Ah. <laughs> it's, uh, it's like an A-O-O. Oh. It's going to be a way I can search this. Of course, I can't find it. It's called uh, Amsotl or whatever. Okay. It's these I've seen I've seen them before. They they look cute. Sure. And anyway, uh, so these things kind of were an uh, important staple in Mexican and um, Mexican Mexican food. Okay. Really. Uh, yeah. Interesting. It's like yeah, it's like frogs to the French. Got it. Right. Um, and uh, it's like an exotal, something like that. And it okay. has some unusual properties as. Mm. As a, an amphibian, uh, it can stay in a juvenile state permanently. Wow. Um, but anyway, um, these things were extracted, removed, destroyed, uh, and their habitat destroyed. Okay. So now most of them only ever exist in tanks. They're basically oh, they're like, domesticated okay. of, of sorts. Um, and, but there has been a concerted attempt... To, to try repopulate? and repopulate. Now ah. the problem is, is their native place to go is um, is uh, is like Mexico City. Oh, interesting. <laughs> yeah. How do you pronounce that? A X O L O T Exotl. Exolot. Exolotl. I think it's exotal. Is there no uh, interesting? Expecting. Uh, yeah, it's called a exotal. It is uh, a pateomorphic salamander. Ah. Um, it is unusual among amphibians as, amphibians as it reaches adulthood without undergoing metamorphosis. And instead of taking to the land, adults remain aquatic and gilled. Originally found in several lakes underlying what is now Mexico City. Ooh, interesting. Such as Lake Axochimilco and Lake Chalcoco. I mean, I can't pronounce. I, I just, anyway. The lakes were drained by Spanish settlers after the conquest of the Aztec Empire, leading to the destruction of much of the Exotl's natural habitat. Hmm. So uh, it's near extinction due to urbanization in Mexico City. Right. So anyway, so there is apparently... They're coming back. Well, there is apparently an attempt to um, reintroduce these. There you go. Um, because they were only existing in uh, like a sort tanks. of harvested, uh, 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 not harvested, but like uh, farmed. Yeah, it was yeah. native to only the freshwater of Lake Ex uh, Exochimilco and Lake Chalco in the Valley of Mexico. Lake Chalco no longer exists, and Lake Exochimilco. Remains yep. a remnant of its former self, hmm. existing mainly as canals. Interesting. So anyway, um, but yeah. Well, there you go. So, that is good news. So there is an attempt to do that. Uh, and the, nice. big, the big feature that attracts the most attention is that the Exodal is has a healing ability. Ah. Not only does it heal by scarring, it is capable of regeneration of entire lost appendages in a period of months. In certain cases, more vital structures such as tail, limb, central nervous system, and tissues of the eyes and heart can be restored. Wow. They can even restore less vital parts of their brains. Huh. And they readily accept transplants from other individuals, including eyes and parts of the brains, restoring those alien organs to fun full functionality. Hmm. That's Definitely it. worth uh, studying. Yeah. Anyway, so, so there you we go. can move towards that kind of. Uh, well, that's interesting. Interesting. Lots of interesting stuff. So uh, today's topic: real estate. Sort of. Yeah. So uh, years ago, when I was a business owner, I learned a bunch of stuff about real estate. So one of the things about it was: so I owned a business, and we needed to have a place. So we sure. had a lease. 
So, um, and that was a fair chunk of money that was going to some landlord at some point in time. Yep. And figured it was a good idea to consider consider buying something to yep. occupy. Right. So, um, and, but then it became really clear that part of the issue is if you're in the business of making widgets, you're not in the business of real estate. And a lot of uh, real estate um, uh, like uh, brokers will tell you that none of the companies um, that sell you real estate own their properties. None of them. Interesting. So that's because they say your business should be your business mm -hmm. and real estate should be real estate. Mm -hmm. And you should mm -hmm. not conflate the two together. Sure. But one of the things I learned from a mentor of mine from a long time ago okay. was that you can, however, if you are uh, an owner of your own business, use it as a form of retirement security. Mm -hmm. So basically, um, you buy a building, yep. you lease, you know, you, you end up with preferable, reasonably competitive, but preferable terms. Sure between yourself and your company. And in mm -hmm. fact, you get better tax rate. Mm. You get a better tax rate if you own or are related to the company that is operating in there. Right. And uh, and then basically use, you know, you get a mortgage. So it's a commercial mortgage. So yep. commercial mortgages, you have to put at least 25% down, often more than that. Yep. And then you have to, and then there's a long, complicated process of, um, getting mortgage mortgages are much more complicated for commercial properties than they are for, for, um, residential, residential, residential sure. you know, you get a real property report, you go to the bank and blah, blah, blah. Yeah. But there is all kinds of legal paperwork and, um, assessments, valuations, yep. condition assessments, the, all this stuff needs typically to more environmental concerns. Yep. Phase one, phase, phase one, two, phase two. Yep. Um, and all of that stuff needs to be done. So even the process of switching from one mortgage company to another is expensive. Mm -hmm. It is remarkably expensive. So, you know, you don't jump for like a 0.2%. Right. You have right. to jump for a fair chunk of sure. savings. Yep. Uh, anyway, uh, so, but you basically use that you put in place a mortgage for 25 years or 20 years or whatever it is. Yep. And then you pay it off. Mm-hmm. And then when it's paid off, what ends up happening is maybe you still have a business there or not. Yep. Um, but there's somebody still paying rent. And For sure. And it spits out money and you get passive income. Yep. Especially when the mortgage is paid off. Absolutely. So yeah. that was, so when I first started, I think we were looking at, uh, so we bought in 20, I don't know, 2011. Okay. Something like that. 2010, 2011. Yep. And uh, yeah, I bought a building and I bought a house next door to it. And with the intention of being able to, so for, for me, I would have been 45, something like that. Little, 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 about around there. Yeah. The plan was that by the time I was 65. Yeah. It would the be most paid of off. the mortgage would be paid off. Nice. Um, that being said, there's a couple of things that you need to think about with mortgages. I don't own the business anymore. Right. So the business is, still has like three years worth of lease sure. still going. But becomes a little bit but less a sure thing. Less a sure thing, especially right. given the change in the 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 office usage profile of a lot of tenants, right? Right. Absolutely. There's, so, and then commercial real estate right now is uh, flooded. It's not a great market, although still a bunch of stuff being built. Well, apparently, there's still lots of things. The market is not as bad as it looks. It's probably based on different regions. Like there's areas, you know, where uh, occupancy is low, and other places are more in demand. So it's not a not a homogeneous market. Probably. Well, and and when you look at uh, when you look at commercial realty, there's a couple of things that are super um, super relevant. There's like two or three different ways to value commercial property. Mm -hmm. 
So, um, uh, which is different than residential. So residential, it's whatever the market will bear. Right. So sure. um, basically the difference between residential and commercial marketing is in general residential, people want something. So sure. it pushes the market a particular direction. Right. Uh, whereas with commercial real estate, real estate, it tends to be more, um, more based upon um, this concept of cap rate or this basically on return on investment. Sure. Okay. Absolutely. Yep. So cap rate is basically a calculation where you basically consider uh, if I buy this, I have this income coming yep. in. What is my return on my investment? Exactly. But does not account for any mortgage. So it is. So if you have a million dollar building. Yep. And you're getting $1.1 million uh, per year. No. If you're getting that would be a no, pretty no, that would amazing, be pretty good. Yeah. If you're getting a hundred thousand dollars a year yeah. in rent, yeah, you got a cap rate of ten percent. That's right. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So, uh, so that is how commercial that that's one valuation, and there is a cap rate for any given region. There is kind of like a current cap rate. Sure. So you'll have some properties that are slightly better and slightly worse, and that's right. And that's and that changes. Yep. Okay. So just because your property has a positive cap rate doesn't mean you can afford it and the mortgage. You need to have something that generates cash flow in excess of your mortgage. Yes. So that is... Uh, well, at, or at least covers the mortgage. Yeah. Right. But uh, but if you need... Well, you have to be able to deal with those unforeseen... Absolutely. So uh, then there's always... There's a bit of a reserve fund thing and... Yep. So, right. uh, so cap rate does not account for mortgages because everybody does mortgages. It's kind of like the whole concept with business when you do EBITDA. EBITDA is like earnings before income depreciate. No, income before depreciation. Uh, income uh, taxes. Yeah, taxes, depreciation, depreciation. amortization. Yeah. yeah. Mm -hmm. So there. Uh, so the problem is, is, I mean, that's great if you've got a reasonable EBITDA. But you still have to pay taxes, depreciation, everything. Oh, yeah, like, absolutely. All of that stuff yeah. still has to happen. So that's right. You can have a positive EBITDA that doesn't end up spitting out any cash. No, that's true. Exactly. And so it's a bit of a, it's a way to do apples to apples because two businesses could have very different profiles, right? Exactly. If somebody's all new equipment, then their amortization is going to be high. It's going to be high. Mm -hmm. If it's on the back end of the life cycle or the stuff, you know, then you can be. Uh, it's almost basically no amortization left. Same thing with how well they've leveraged, right? Are they paying high interest rates? So, so it's an intent to try to scrub that stuff out and say, you know, those are decisions that are somewhat like strategic. But if we're evaluating the business's ability to generate cash operationally, mm -hmm. right? Apples to apples, but exactly, yeah. So it, uh... but you're right. It it can look good, but it can then look you're good, like, oh, but, oh, I don't have enough money here. Yeah, so that could be a problem. Yeah, so that that's this is that's uh, that was one of the shockers when we had uh, um, when we first started doing the pro the property, and especially man, I tell you. So the other thing that's pretty common with um, commercial properties is this concept of a, a triple net lease. Yes. Okay. So triple net lease is a terminology that is thrown around and you're going like, what the hell does it mean? Uh, well, what it means is that you have a lease rate. Yep. And then you have an operating cost, which is not included in the lease rate. Correct. So typically it's for common area stuff yep. or utilities related to common spaces or repairs to common spaces yep. or whatever. It, 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 if, if, if utilities are included in the operating cost, if the landlord is paying your utilities, then that yep. would include that as well. Exactly. So the idea is that once a year, there is a reconciliation between um, the budget amount. So your landlord would forecast how much money they think the operating costs are going to be for the coming year. Right. And and you then you pay that plus the lease costs. Sure. And then at, at the start of the new year there's a reconciliation between uh how much their actual operating costs were right and then if it's positive you uh, if like if uh 
if they budget over budgeted, yep. you get some money back. If they under budgeted, you have to pay a little bit more. Right. So there can be a shock when that happens. Yeah, absolutely. Um, right. But that and is, with with things like like uh, the energy costs right now being, you know, going wild. Mm -hmm. uh, yeah, it could, it could be a definite uh, a definite, definite hit. Yes. Right. Yeah. Where some buildings are sub metered and you pay for the utilities directly yeah, exactly. although the common area stuff still requires usually yeah, so some, it could be like yeah. snow clearing yeah grass certain services absolutely right so uh, uh, contribution to the reserve fund because over time the joys of owning it's like owning a house but yeah. on steroids right yeah exactly. it's like oh this roof needs to be redone well what's that gonna cost yeah, exactly you know, 200 grand whoa <laughs> Yeah. So, um, well, we used to do reserve funds, right? Yeah. Commercial building reserve funds and, and going around and trying to determine the life cycle, you know, like how much lifestyle life cycles left in this piece of equipment or that piece of equipment. And, um, you know, do you have money set aside for that? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So, uh, that is, so that there's cap rate. The, uh, the other way you can value it is to comparables. Mm -hmm. So there is a comparables valuation process where basically they'll look at everything in the area right. and kind of assess how comparable it is. And then they'll do a, a cost per square foot. Right. Right. There's kind of like a, so the going rate for, and there's very, you know, you can have three different buildings, but if one is a retail, one is commercial and one is, uh, warehouse, you know, very different rates. So like, absolutely. Yep. So typically, a commercial, uh, like a real uh, warehouse, will be you know about ten to twelve dollars a square foot. Plus, you'll have might have operating costs that are about the same. Right. So th this is the thing. Like the lease, it's only half, right? Yeah. Typically, oh yeah, you got to know what you're doing. Then you have uh, where uh, commercial space, like office space. And we're not talking high-rise office space, but just like, you know, mm -hmm. a strip mall kind of office space. Yep. Uh, commercial space might be like uh, $15 to $25 a square foot. Right. And then have operating costs that range from, you know, 10 to 15 bucks a square foot. Yeah. And then... Uh, That's usually a, on an annual basis. On an annual basis. Yes. Yeah. So the yeah the operating costs are on an annual basis. As so yeah. are the... The, 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 the lease rates. The lease yeah. rates. So right. basically, it, again, it's but a when you funny, way to, at, funny way to calculate it, right? Like, no, but you, it adds up. Like oh, sometimes, sure. you know, we we look at what businesses are paying for rent, and uh, you know, it's it's kind of mind blowing. Oh yeah, right? you know, ten to fifteen thousand dollars a month exactly. for not that big a space is not unusual. Yeah, and you're like, holy man. Well, and retail space and retail space. So, like, if you're buying, a, so I mean, I. I got the benefit of knowing all of these things because I had a commercial building um, and we had commercial leases. Right. We also needed warehouse space. Sure. And for a short period of time, I was a, a retail store, clothing store owner. Yep. And uh, so for that, we were also familiar with uh, how retail work and retail can be crazy, especially like malls are next level craziness yep. like they'll have like a hundred page lease agreement oh yeah and it's tied to their they get a percentage of your your revenue and right. um but in general most other retail stuff is based upon sort of where it's located what its visibility yep. is and can be anywhere from like 25 to 45 bucks a square foot yeah even more like it can be a lot. Oh, it's crazy. Like, and right. retail space typically goes in multiples of 1,500 square feet, which is 150 square meters. Yeah, give or take. Give or take. Yeah. yeah. So, uh, yeah. So you basically, so, you know, one unit is about 1,500, yep. two is 3,000, three is, right. you know, you tend to get them in those kind of incremental multiples. We, so when I used to do business plans, you know, we would look then at the, uh, uh, what is the sales per square foot of of uh, display space, right? Yeah. And trying yeah. to understand different industries and and then balancing off against the cost, right? Right. Uh, so this is an interesting thing. Sometimes in what I do now, um, will occasionally you'll see a business being listed for like a dollar or something, 
and um, there's two things. Either we want to negotiate it. It's let's start a conversation. But in sometimes an owner, we've had a few where they just need to get out of there. They just or... need to get out of the lease. Like they have a five year lease, and that might be three hundred grand. You know of liability yeah that's the other and thing they're is, like is, is, is i just got to get somebody to pick up this business and 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 take over that that, that payment because because the lease dying, the right? leases typically are such they're they're written that you can't get out of them that's right so they are um they are basically uh whatever you are paying if you leave early you just owe the balance yep so there's you know for the landlord there's the the risk with the landlord is that the the company goes out of business. Right. Okay. Uh, the risk for the tenant is if they want to leave, they can't. That's right. So that's why you'll see people sublease. They'll even sublease sometimes where the business that's leaving is subsidizing the um, the. So you know maybe the going rate for that place is twenty bucks a square foot and. You're only paying ten for the remainder of the lease. Right. That's because the other guys figure that at ten, they subsidize you to ten bucks a square foot. It's better, it's than, better than getting zero. That's right. Right. Exactly. And having to pay that twenty bucks for an empty spot. Yeah. So this is another area where using, you know, knowledgeable people uh before you get into one of these commercial leases. Mm -hmm. I mean, buying a building obviously has its own being the landlord yeah, yeah. has its own challenges, but for but, sure. But but leasing or renting, uh, you got to be careful what you're signing. Like yeah, because what are the requirements in terms of sublease? You know, uh, is there an out? Well, and right? often often the landlord will have some rule with subleases as well that they have to approve, although they can't unreasonably withhold it. Yeah, but they can. They have to approve the subtenant and. So, Same with us. It's often a condition of sale that if uh, the lease is going to be taken over, that the landlord has to approve the new the buyer, person. Yeah. Right. Now, most of the time, from what I understand, that's not a problem because if I'm the landlord, what am I going to do? You know, mm -hmm. there'd have to be some really significant reason, I presume, to say no. Right. Uh, but if you want to keep getting paid, you know, make that as easy as possible yeah. for the new uh someone taking over but uh but there's a risk associated right so yeah well and then there's a third valuation third valuation technique for for is this uh, the trump property. method where you just uh no, no. make up a bunch of numbers that and... would be the three the three three b that would be the the one that you're not supposed to use um but the third way is basically if if the place was leveled, say by a fire, oh, replacement cost. replacement cost, right? So, how much would it cost to build on that site new? Yes. So then there's a building cost, and typically the cost for new construction will vary quite a bit. Um, these are, you know, I, I'm not sure what the current values are, but I know they used to be in the range of. 250 to 300 bucks a square foot yeah. um, based upon the quality levels. Right. But I could see it easily being closer to 400 now yeah. given the, incre the, the increased cost of everything. Everything. Sure. And yeah. uh, so, yeah. so, so, so if you have a building that's uh, 10,000 square feet, the cost, and this is independent of the land, but the cost of the the building would be ten thousand square feet times, four, you know, let's say let's say three hundred dollars a square foot, so right. three million bucks. Yeah, it is fascinating though, because unlike like we were talking about homes, because it it's the purpose of the building is to generate revenue. Yeah. Um, you know, it okay on paper it might be worth a million dollars or whatever. Right, but if it can't generate for whatever reason, it's uh, it's old, it's in a shitty location, the market's no good, right? If the building can't generate rent, it's really not worth anything. Right? Yeah, so that even though that's the that's the next you know, thing I was going to talk yeah. about was it basically so so these are the valuation methods. Here's the catch: if you have a lease, somebody has signed a lease for five years, or yep. whatever, which is not an unusual term. No, nope. sixty months, yeah. 
Uh, actually, a one-year term is pretty short. Yes. Uh, typically, two, three years minimum, and uh, five years is uh, five not years unusual, is yeah. and 10 years for pretty stable. Right. It's kind of, usually, those are the kind of arrangements between building owners and, sure. and tenant. But um, so if you have, so you can value it based upon the lease you have yep. and the rent that's coming in and you can figure out the cap rate and the whole thing. Okay. Um, that gives you an idea on the value. If you have a tenant that is paying below market rates, right. Right. Your property is now worth less. Sure. Or if your occupancy is low, yeah. right. Cause there's that, if it's a, if it's a multi multi tenant, uh, tenant building, building right? and you have to account for a certain amount of vacancy. Absolutely. And turnover, then, yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And turnover. And then you need to deal with that. So if you, if you don't have leases or, I mean, like when I bought, my building uh there were no leases in place everybody was paying month to month okay it was this weird setup and in order to support the value one of the landlord one of the former owners yep who was a hockey player okay kind of disappeared at some point in time and a former hockey player actually at the time and um he actually signed a lease for a portion of the building to basically prop up the value that he was looking for for so he signed a lease with us as part of a condition of the sale interesting so because there was there was about half the building was vacant or, okay or no no all of it was most of it was full but there was there was one of the tenants that owned was half of it was sketchy Okay. And then the other the other one there was an empty spot and then the 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 former owner pay, paid for the third spot but never occupied it. So he was just paying money. Interesting. So that's a form of a vendor financing almost. Right? I guess so. Yeah. yeah. Anyway. Yeah. Um, how long was this like how long is that lease term that he signed? Well, how long was it supposed to be or how much did he actually continue paying? He ah. paid, he paid for about a year and then disappeared and we couldn't find him. He was like in California or something. Catch me Disappeared. if you can. Disappeared. Yeah, it's total yeah. catch me if you can. And uh, so it was not worth chasing. I mean, no. this is the other thing is when you're suing people, it's better be for a lot of money because whenever you're suing people, usually the only people who really win are the lawyers. Yep. And the only reason to do it is if it's a big enough dollar value to make it worth your while, like to recover some versus none. Yeah, this is so my wife having been a litigator for all those years, this is a misconception that I think a lot of people have from TV shows, right? Is that, uh, you know, I'll sue you, right? Uh, even stuff where she used to do medical malpractice. Now, in the States, it's different because they have a whole different well, regime. Which they can go right? for... for so pain and suffering. Pain and, and suffering. some of the so payoffs in, are in massive. In Canada, right? if you lost $100,000, right. you can claim... For a hundred thousand dollars. That's right. In the U.S., if you lost a hundred thousand dollars, you can claim for like millions. Yeah, exactly. Because uh, you can go on this general damages beyond that. Yeah, but there's a punitive Can element to it, and there is a little bit of that in Canada. But right? it's it's but really it's limited. really limited. So it's like small claims court, right? People are. By the time you go through that, you really got to be sure it's worth it mm -hmm. because, uh, um, a there's always the potential to lose yes. and then you wind up having to pay the other side's costs. So That's you're right. further behind. Right. So often they'll be like, are you sure? You know, like what is the actual motivation to, to do this? Is it, you yep. want to make a point, right? Well, then you'd be, you better be willing to, to pay, right. Cause it's not an automatic, um, um, guarantee. Yeah. Right. And this is where we, Oh, the guy hasn't paid his bill. You know, so I'm going to sue him. Well, what's his bill? Like five grand. Yeah. You're mad. Just kiss that goodbye. Yeah, right? that's exactly. Because it's going to cost you tons more and so much time and effort. And, right? Yeah, exactly. So, so, um, so you have this building. Yeah. You've had it for about 10-ish years uh, coming up on. 11, 11, 12 years. Yeah. What's the plan? I think I'm going to sell it. Ah. 
I think uh, we're just started the the process of trying to explore what's involved. I have a bunch of stuff I have to do. Okay. I just, uh, I mean, even though the market is down, I still think if if we can sell it from a position of strength right now where we have tenants. Right, right. It, it makes sense to sure. try and sell it. And um, You see they have about three more years on the lease. Mm -hmm. So there's a daycare. Yeah, the daycare is on a yearly lease. Okay. So um, um, anyway, I need to, there's some work I have. And then there's your previous company. Mm -hmm. Is there another tenant as well? No, it's just two tenants. Okay. But I have two residential. Is it two-story? It's a half of it is two story and half of it's one story. Okay. So um, it's about ten thousand square feet. And the house? There's a house next door, which <laughs> my father-in-law was born in. Oh wow! Really? Yeah, I did not. So I did not know that. Yeah, yeah. So uh, well, so interesting side note story. So uh, we drove by the building when we were still in it, when Lori's dad was <coughs> still alive. Yep. And he said, you know, I was born in a house along here somewhere. You know, couldn't have looked like that house over there. I said, that house? The one we just bought? Said, yeah. And now he, uh, Lori's dad had Alzheimer's. At the time, at, at, and we were pretty sure at the time. It turns out, totally did. Right. Um, and Lori's uncle said, "He's full of shit. He has no idea what he's talking about." Oh, so you don't know if he was born in there? No, the story gets more interesting. Okay. So, uh, and uh, so, so didn't think too much about it. I bought the house, and I needed the house because the yard was used for the daycare. Right, so kind right. Of, I remember that. These are inextricably yeah. linked to right. each other. And anyway, so Lori's dad passes away. We don't think too much about it. Lori's uncle, also in his 90s, eventually passed away as well. And as we're going through all the material for Lori's uncle, uh, we find this. Let me show you. Oh, Hang on okay. A there is a. I will try and post a picture on Facebook too. We're having an audio visual moment here, folks. Oh, so there's these old photos, giant, giant old photos. Yeah, portraits from the day, man. Portraits from the day. So there are these oval portraits, and in fact, one of these photos, this photo here that I will post on our Facebook page, is a picture of. Uh, my wife's grandmother and okay. grandfather. Grandfather passed away in the 60s. Wow. So, uh, but grandmother would have been in the 90s. She passed away in the 1990s? Yeah. Holy man. So, uh, so what year is this photo from? I don't know. I suspect it was around 1920s. Yeah. Very formal, a colorized. So, there's a black and white print that's been yes. colored. And it says Keel on the back yep wow and then there's but there's other other prints like i don't actually know and on the back of it mr keel 99 38 81st avenue and that's the address of the house that's the address of the house oh wow so Lori's dad was right he was born in that house that is awesome the interesting thing is Lori's uncle would would not have ever lived in that house because he was younger right than her dad yeah and um is this a photo because this almost looks this is like also it's also a photo but maybe retouched oh totally that. retouched yeah. all of them were retouched and this this one also i think has the address as well so there's like okay. two of them with and the that's address not, that's not her dad is it? that might be her dad oh wow so it was at a time when uh Little boys were dressed up in yes, little dresses. Yes, these are phenomenal. Yeah. So. Yeah, uh, yeah that, that kind of historical stuff is awesome. Okay, so, so you're thinking of selling. I'm thinking of selling. Now you have it. It's owned by Holdco, right? Yeah, it's owned by Holdco. My wife and I own like most of it. Um, huh? We had... We had shareholders that were the former owners of Centra right, before we sure. merged with CEP. Yes. And um, but and and what happened is as soon as I sold my shares in CEP, 
that uh, preferential tax arrangement uh-huh. evaporated. Okay. So now I don't have that preferential tax rate. And uh, also we have, uh, yeah, so the the problem is. But that, you will be able to, uh, there'll be a capital gains exemption you should be able to take advantage of. Oh, yeah. 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 Although you've probably used some of that up. I've used a lot of it. Yeah, you sold yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm, my, my taxes are complicated. Yeah. So no, no if, okay. ands, or buts. Well, it kind of makes sense given this might be a good time, right? Like, so well, I think got, so because it tenants does, I've still got still. tenants. I've got, uh, I've got yeah. lease duration still. Yeah. Um, the residential stuff, I mean, it's not, yeah, it's not a windfall for sure, but it definitely it pays its bills. Right. So, is there what's the condition of the building? Is it in pretty good shape? It's an excellent shape. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, we I mean we replaced the roof on one side. Um we have this um it's kind of one of these evergreen mechanical contracts where you okay. basically they come in, do an assessment, fix right. everything, and then you pay a monthly charge. Sure. And they basically are in charge of uh, making sure everything runs, parts, and all that stuff for yeah. the duration and the life of those mechanical systems. So right. basically, it basically um, gets rid of some of the unexpected um, mechanical costs. Sure. Um, by having, but, but but having known expenses so you're basically moving it from a capital expenses unexpected capital expenses to known uh, yeah so a certain level of operating cost yeah of uh, predictability and you just work it into the budget yeah nice so anyway well that'll be exciting well i mean it's it's right now depending on how you do the calculation um it could be if the if the, we sell for too low, we get like nothing in terms of our investment. Oh, if we sell too, you know, if we sell at the high end, we'll do really well. Right. If we sell in the middle, we'll be fine. But uh, yeah, it's uh, you know, we'd be leaving with a fair. There's still a fair bit of mortgage, and the tail end of the mortgage is when you get the biggest sure. bang. You're no longer paying just mostly interest. You're actually right. paying principal down. Yeah. But I think the risk is if we leave it too long, and I don't really know what the economy of Edmonton, Edmonton has always been very cyclic. Been, yes. Well, Alberta. I mean, we had a period, a golden age where we had like 10 or 15 years of, of economic prosperity. Yes. And, but I also remember the 20 years before that, where everything seemed like it was terrible, right? They, after they built West Edmonton Mall, it seemed like there were no cranes in Edmonton there for wasn't. like 15 years. Yeah. And uh, and then all of a sudden they appeared, they built Rogers Place, a lot of ice district stuff. Yep. And they're still building some stuff. But um, yep. the interesting thing is... Well, we, we've... I, I've heard so many people talk about it. We really haven't seen a recovery. Was it 2016, 2014? And it started going, hey. Yeah, yeah. We really haven't bounced back. And I don't know that we will, right? Uh, Unless we do something different. Well, I do know that. So one of the thing everybody talks about for, I mean, this is talking more about residential stuff, but, but um, people talk about how, you know, people must be fleeing the province, but they're not. There's actually a net uh, influx of people into the province, but there's a very specific reason. And it is because housing here is cheaper than still, still cheaper. And yep. the cost of living is still cheaper than places like Vancouver right. and Toronto and Montreal and yeah. like a lot of the bigger. Although I think I just saw that the, the the rental rates in Calgary are amongst the highest in the country. Like there's been some sort of spike. So Calgary is not doing great. Maybe. Yeah. But that's, that's surprising. But uh, yeah. Yeah, but uh, but I, I do know a lot of people that have moved to Alberta specifically because housing is cheaper. Right. Um, you still need to work though somewhere. Well, that's and now we're talking about layoffs now. You know. Yeah, and uh, CBC just laid off people. Right. And, well, and now the government's threatening layoffs some nurses, which is like really because we don't need nurses. Exactly. Too many nurses floating around. Exactly. Wild. Exactly. I don't know. We'll see. So yeah, this might be the time, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, the problem, of course, with any timing 
people trying to time the market is yeah, it's like you can't never, game, you can't you know, game you can't, the market you got to be prepared and when you feel when like it, the time is right when it happens exactly like yeah you you, know? you can't game it so. no i mean it's, nobody has that good a crystal ball so yeah so anyway um so hey, charlie munger died speaking of people with crystal balls oh yeah so, yeah i mean he was a hundred i think yeah i think he was just shy i think yeah. he was 99 so but um yeah that's gonna be bad for um warren buffett, warren buffett because that's yeah. his best friend that it, yeah but warren buffett's up there too like he's not oh no he's yeah he's uh he's he's gotta be they're they're close in age yeah he's in charlie his munger is supposed supposed to be is credited by warren buffett as being the guy who helped um helped uh warren get his system down yes because he's, he's a lawyer so yeah no he was a very smart guy I yeah. used to love he hearing the two of them talk about uh yeah, so we we're talking about EBITDA. Yeah, yeah. And he was like, EBITDA is crap. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's not. It does not like EBITDA. So he had a very different. He uh, had very, uh, very strong mongerisms, I think. Yes, that's right. Yeah. So, uh, yeah. And yeah. Uh, well, I think his position was it, it all comes down to cash flow. Yeah. Right. Accounting numbers are, are made up at the end of the day. Can you generate cash? Yeah, that's, exactly. that's all that matters. Right? Yeah. So, I mean, a lot of tech companies were avoided by those two. And yes. Berkshire Hathaway used to be the name of like a cotton textile mill. Right. And uh, well, this has been their philosophy. If we don't understand it, we're, we're not, not going into it. it yeah. Right. Now, I'm not saying that other people shouldn't, but they were very disciplined in their approach. If we don't. We don't can't get our head around it. We're not. We're not. Well, and there's some things that he, they were misfires, but uh, but in general, I mean Berkshire Hathaway. I think it's the most expensive stock on the planet. Like yeah, on a, consistently on a, been. Yeah. yeah, that basically, unlike a lot of other stocks, they wouldn't divide them. Right. So, um, yeah, Berkshire Hathaway is is their company, and it owns um, it owns. Um, it owns um, Geico Insurance, right? Like, actually, so when it first started, it was um, they did like trading stamps. Okay. So uh, you know how you go to like a gas station and yeah, you might get yeah, a coupon. Yeah. And yeah, it yeah. Says, so they would insure the coupons. Okay. So the coupons. The idea is that you print a million dollars worth of coupons. Sure. But you only have maybe, you know, a hundred thousand dollars worth of people that claim the coupon. Right. So you print right. way more. Yeah. And so uh, there would be there were these companies that basically would insure it. Okay. So if you uh, you would pay insurance, and if it was over, they would pay the difference, and if it was under, you pay the difference. Right. Right. Like, like it. Uh, so so. It worked. It, it worked out. It was is like an insurance policy on sure. the coupons, right? And so that was one of the first things. And then he got into like regular insurance, and then they used that because one of the things with insurance is they always had um, with insurance you always have the premiums come in, right? And then you're allowed to invest the premiums, yes, until there's a claim. And then whenever there's a claim, that portion of the money has to be withdrawn from right. the market. Pay out the claim. To be able to play, right. pay the claim. Which is why insurance companies are so... Adamant about, uh, if the, as soon as they know they have to pay the claim, they want to settle it and move on and get right. out. But in the States, probably here too, there's a lot of shenanigans with... Sometimes. You know, yeah. uh, denial of claim and, oh, geez, you know, there's two E's here on your application. And so, uh, you know, there's been a lot of that. And of course, you know, if in this, in the, they're having a huge problem, like in Florida where they cannot get insurance anymore. Right. Homeowners insurance in Florida is almost impossible to get because of the floods. Yeah. Well, because there's the insurance company Hurricane. that underwrites the other insurance companies. Yeah. Reinsurance companies. Reinsurance. And they're like, yeah, they're know, saying no. Yeah, exactly. so insurance companies. So there's a state-run insurance fund now. When there's too when there's too much risk, the yeah. reinsurers won't. Well, so the because, insurance companies. So suppose you have an insurance company, they'll insure you for the first million dollars. But if you have something that's worth ten million dollars, they will go and 
find another insurance company, these reinsurance companies, and you may have seen like Swiss reinsurance or American right. reinsurance sure. and all that yeah. stuff. And they basically, the insurance company, your insurance company pays a premium right for the insurance for the extra bit the, yeah. they call it excess insurance yes but anyway uh so berkshire hathaway uh yeah it was a textile manufacturing company established by oliver chase in 1839 wow. in valley falls rhode island uh long since out of business right um it's a good name though it's it sounds very fancy so yeah they initially maintained it but by 67, it was it was more doing insurance company stuff. So Yeah. Yeah. So it was interesting. For sure. Good old uh, Warren Buffett. And a investment returns of about $20 billion over this 45 years since he first said it. It yeah. described it described purchasing Berkshire Hathaway was the biggest investment mistake he ever made. Interesting. So uh, the, it was the textile company that was the problem. Yeah. So he still lives in his original house. I think he lives in Omaha, Nebraska, or something mm-hmm. like that. You know, very subtle, very uh, modest uh, guy. Yeah. Some people think he's evil, but he's only ever they've only ever paid a dividend once. Um, and he's basically uh, in. In January of 2022, shares were $465,725 each. Wow. So, yeah. So, people will sometimes try and buy portions, fractions. Fractions, yeah. Because that is a lot. Yeah. Yeah. And they've never, ever split. Interesting, eh? Yeah. So, it'll be interesting to see what happens when he passes away. Because I just saw, I, I just caught the headline heir apparent to the Berkshire Hathaway and it's a young guy, but I didn't catch, 93. I didn't catch the name. Warren Buffett is 93. Wow. Yeah. So there you go. Anyway, there you go. Media, uh, media. I, uh, what did I watch? I watched something recently. I watched, uh, what was it called? Covenant. Oh yeah. With, uh, Jake Gyllenhaal. And um, it was about Afghanistan. It's about translators in Afghanistan when they came back, or yeah. if they. Anyway, it's a good. It's actually I enjoyed it. A it movie? was really good. Yeah, it's a good yeah. movie. We I've got one more episode of Bodies. Okay. Yeah, I've just been kind of holding <laughs> off because I haven't been feeling well. And <laughs> excuse me. <coughs> just to punctuate of, the point. Uh, we've been watching a show on Netflix, which is like ten years old. But it's really good. Uh, it's called Face Off. And it's one of those um, competition shows. Okay. Like, but it's it's around Hollywood makeup. And so it's, uh, um, you know, three judges, mm-hmm. 12, con- uh, what's it, 16 contestants. And then it's it's very formulaic, right? It's every week. It's the challenge. And, uh, but, oh, my God, like the artist, the artistry of um, what these folks can do. It's similar to, they've done it with, you know, Halloween wars where they had to sculpt pumpkins, but this is like making prosthetics and creating these, uh, uh, cinema ready characters. And so it's been really quite good. There's only two seasons, but it's weird to watch a show and be invested in it. And you're like, Oh, I wonder who won. And then find out the show's 10 years old. So this is like ancient history, man. Oh, wow. You know, cause Netflix will, will take yeah, those yeah. properties and, and, re, and, and, and then they become quite popular. So it's in the top 10. Oh, wow. But it's like a 10-year-old ten year old show. Interesting. So, yeah. Uh, I, um, I also watched uh, Pacific Rim Uprising. Was that the, the sequel? The sequel. Oh, yeah? It was okay. Nice. I mean, a lot of these shows, I find, it, you know, with longer series, like when you have like the, the Obi-Wan where it's like, it's basically a movie, but a long movie, so they broken split it up into, into yeah. broken up into six or eight parts. Um, you get some time to understand and develop an affinity for the. A lot of times with these two-hour ones, there's just not enough time, right? Right to 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 understand who the character is and care about them. <coughs> so, <coughs> yeah. Hey, look at Berkshire Hathaway. Berkshire Hathaway. So I, I told you what it was. January of yeah. Uh, it's, it's actually uh, gone up. It's gone up a lot in almost two years. It's now five hundred and thirty-seven thousand dollars per US, share. Per share. Wow. 
per share, which is crazy. Now I know what and I'm that's asking. That's not the peak. It's not. It's peak. I'm asking Santa for a share of Berkshire Hathaway. <laughs> exactly. So anyway, um, uh, just to comment on what you said there about the, I just watched an essay on that on uh, YouTube uh, about the the trouble with Marvel or all the Disney properties. And that's exactly the argument that the guy was making. There's two types of movies. There's character driven yeah. and there's plot driven. Yeah. And sometimes if the plot, if it's a plot driven movie, but there's not enough Story. connection to the characters and you don't really care what happens to them. Yeah, yeah. Then people get bored. It's like, okay, well, it's an interesting, you know, twists and turns, but I don't really care about these characters. So this is where the MCU did well in the old times, right? So by the time we got to Avengers, which was, let's say, that would have been a plot-driven movie. Avengers were a plot-driven. But plot there was so much character development before. before yeah, so right? you had all these different properties where yeah. they developed the characters, so, and and then and then it all tied into the Avengers plot. Right. So the art of, of if you've only got two hours, how do you rapidly establish some kind of uh, rapport with the character that people care about so that you can then tell the story. It's mm-hmm. interesting. Okay. Yeah. Cool. Well, let's leave it there for this. Sounds week. good. Have a great day. You too. Have a great week. <laughs> oh man, I have triggers up in there. I did not poke Jeff. No. <laughs> if I'm alive, I'll see you next week. Okay. Bye. Bye.